0: Well, are we there yet? Who's heard this phrase from before, maybe from a bored child or another passenger in your car? Maybe even you in the car before? I remember sitting in the back seat on the way home from visiting my grandparents' house when they lived in Sebring. I was probably eight, and we were almost home, maybe 30 or so miles from home, but a ways to go. And yet, I had that phrase on repeat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know how you'll know when we are there yet, Tracy? Said my dad. When you see the house and I stop the car. (laughs) I had worn down my usually very patient dad to the core. But I was so bored, man. I mean, like, wow, 30 miles to go. But all of a sudden, I noticed that on the center console of the car was the digital clock. And between the hour and the, and the uh, minutes was a blinking second uh, notification. Blinking on and off and on and off. And I thought, well, we have 30 miles to go. If I count to 60 30 times, then we'll be there, right? So there I go, counting over and over to 60 over and over in a very brief moment of self-awareness, I said to my dad, Dad, is my counting bothering you? <laughs> and he said, if that's all I have to listen to, then we're fine. We made it home. <laughs> but I don't recall going on another trip anytime soon. But Advent is like this. Also a long trip Together. A journey that we are on and it's sometimes really fun and it is sometimes really hard because we are not there yet and so in this season of advent the season that comes before we celebrate christmas this is where we are traveling together advent means coming in latin and as and as in the coming of jesus into the world We think of the stories in scripture of the Christ child being born in a lowly manger, in a manger stall surrounded by stinky, smelly animals and probably terrified parents. We think of the shepherds and the angels and gifts. And we are right to think of all those things. We are right to remember and reflect on all those scriptures and to be thankful that Jesus was born to be our savior. But Advent is not merely the time for preparing for that or even for remembering solely just his birth. It is far, far deeper than that. Revelation 1.8 says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And in Advent we hold space as much as we possibly can. We hold space for all of who Christ is. The Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ, the Lord Almighty, the beginning and the end, the one who was, the one who is now, and the one who is to come that we sing about in all of our Christmas and Advent hymns. The one who will come again in glory to bring about the fullness of his kingdom, including all of us, into full completion, full completion of perfection in love. Are we there yet? No. And so each week in Advent, we will look at different scriptures that will guide us on that journey. Scriptures that will guide us from our own was to is and from our own is right now into who we are to become in Christ Jesus. John and Kathy uh, lit our first Advent candle today, the candle of peace. And they referenced words from the prophet Isaiah, a prophet that foretold the birth of Jesus, gave us a description of who he would be, And the kind of kingdom that he would come to fulfill. So here are the words of Isaiah. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains... And shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, And shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Oh, house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The word that Isaiah son of Amos foretold was a new kind of kingdom. A kingdom that Jesus would come to establish and model. A kingdom that all nations would stream to. A kingdom where all people, all all people would be eager to learn the ways of the Lord, where Christ would be the only ruler and judge. And here's the kicker. Where people would beat all of their swords into plowshares, all of their spears into pruning hooks. Nations wouldn't war each other anymore or even have to study it. But instead, all people would say, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to birth in all of us, each of us. And really, this is a difficult vision to see in our minds, isn't it? Isn't it difficult, it is for me, to picture all of this as a, as a reality in the future? Especially now, especially in our polarized world, the divided divisiveness of our world right now. It's hard to picture and to imagine. I have a new favorite author, and her name is Sarah Bessie, and she wrote an article that she published online this week. The article's called, Does Advent Even Matter When the World is on Fire? And the answer is a resounding yes. It matters most especially now. And maybe for you and for me and together collectively, maybe these next four weeks will be the most important time that we have ever lived. It matters. As we consider the words of the prophet of the coming Christ child to be called the Prince of Peace and the Prince who is with us now, And the Holy One who longs for all people to stream to the mountain, to learn his ways. Jesus, the one who longs for us to beat our own weapons into tools of cultivation and growth and harvesting. And I believe that this means both literally and figuratively. And my church family that I adore, I know this is a difficult message. I understand it. Very difficult message for us to hear, to consider. Often the scriptures are like that. Often the scriptures that tell of Jesus or of Jesus' teaching are so radical and foreign to who we are, it is hard to swallow. But that is the nature of the gospel message, often counterintuitive to our own humanity. I know, for my sister and I, that when we took long road trips together, that our parents would ask us to bring bags of toys with us so that we would be occupied at least for five minutes in the back of the van or back of the car. My mom's here today, you can attest to that, that sometimes things didn't always go as planned with Marcy and I in the back seat. But I, on the, on the road trip that I'm thinking of, we had gathered our toys, we had put them in a little bags to take with us in the car, but I went to my mother's teacher stash of things and I pulled out the masking tape and I got into the car before anybody else was there and I tore a long piece of, piece of tape off and I divided the back seat all the way down. Brilliant, I thought. Brilliant. Now, Marcy's toys will not be on my side. Hm. But it turned out that wasn't such a great plan. I thought it was a brilliant preventative measure but it only caused more problems. Don't I sound like a delightful child? Yes. <laughs> On any journey we take, even if we're alone, there we'll th- we will find conflict and the butting of heads along the way. It's just how this world is at the moment. No one had to teach me how to fight with my little sister. No one had to teach me how to argue with Eric, my husband or he with me, it, what is it about me, what is it about you that arguing and warring with each other just, thinks, just seems to come naturally? It is because of the condition of our hearts. In the book, The Anatomy of Peace, the collective authors give a central reason for this heart condition. They say it is because we have what's called a heart at war. At war with all others. Part of our innate, instinctual way that we operate. A heart at war comes from the perspective of self. Seeing everything from my own vantage point and outward. A heart at war notices everything and reacts to anything or anyone that's different than me, has a different perspective than me, or behaviors than me. A heart at war notices and reacts to people that vote differently, that love differently. A heart at war notices someone who makes less money, or makes more money, is less educated, or more educated, and a heart at war tries to change the behavior of others so that they line up with our own ideology. A personal example. Sometimes the arguments that Eric and I might have stem from me wanting to change his behavior. If he would just act like I want him to, man. And vice versa. A heart at war that self. Perspective wants to change the other in order to feel okay. But Jesus offers a different way. The Prince of Peace came to right the kingdom even now. And he offers us a heart at peace. Jesus made several appearances after he was resurrected from the dead. And he would just show up amongst a group of people, and he would say things like this. He would say, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He would say, I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be hearts at war. Accept my peace gift. A heart at peace sees all people from a different perspective, a different vantage point. A heart at peace has kingdom vision. Seeing all people, all people of every nation with sacred value, inherent worth, just because they, too, are created in the image of God. Every single one. A heart at peace may notice the differences and the polarization that's happening, but a heart of peace sees further than that. A heart at peace wants to lean in to conflict, to make true peace happen, not just to keep the peace, sometimes in my life have been a peacekeeper. Anybody else? Like, if everybody's just on their very best behavior, we won't have any problems. That's a peacekeeper, and that's not healthy. A heart at peace is a peacemaker, one who leans into conflict, listening carefully to somebody else not listening carefully so that I can quickly get my response in, but to listen carefully so that I can learn about more about you, so that I can possibly grow. A heart at peace listens when there is strife and con- conflict to learn more, to understand, and to grow more, knowing that wherever we are right now, it's not a fixed eternal point. We have room to grow, more to learn, a heart at peace learns to mirror Jesus' own heart at peace. Imagine this Advent. If we asked Jesus to birth this heart of peace within us, offering us whatever grace we need in that exact moment, to begin to have that become part of our own heart. A place to begin and a place to grow, a place to develop and a place to fail and a place to get up and be forgiven and try again. But it is up to us to choose that. We get to choose. We get to choose whether or not to accept this grace, gift of peace from Jesus, or to leave it, just leave it be. Sometimes when Christ has offered me things, gifts, places to grow, places to learn, I've chosen to leave it. Like, that's enough, Lord. I'm doing good to just breathe in, breathe out, and get through today. but sometimes when I have chosen to lean in and do the hard work in Advent, I have found places of immense growth, oftentimes failure, and the forgiveness from Christ to get up and try again. That is why having a church family, a faith family such as this, is so vital for us, where we meet here every single week and we get to help each other with this. When I fail, I know you will be there, right by my side when I am on my knees at that altar, praying with me and for me, and I will do the same for you. That's what the beauty of a faith family does. We help each other along the way, and when one of us starts on repeat, are we there yet? No, man, not yet, but I'll go with you. I wonder what our relationships would look like in the church and out of the church if we took this advantage of this peace gift. What would our relationships be like with our spouses, our in-laws, our strangers, strangers and neighbors, political rivals? What would our Facebook posts look like? If all of our hearts were on the journey of becoming a heart at peace? Are we there yet? No but we are asked to join Jesus on the journey and to walk in the light of the Lord. And we do it together as he offers us more and more of himself. Amen. On the night that the disciples gathered for the very last time with Jesus, before Jesus went to the cross, they were gathering around a table, probably longer than this, probably lounging around like they did in that time period, gathering for the Passover meal together, sharing a meal and singing hymns and probably telling jokes and ribbing each other, just having fun and meaningful moments with friends around the table with Jesus Christ, their friend. And so, during that meal, Jesus had a very important moment for all of them. He took the bread. And he lifted it up, and he gave thanks. He gave thanks for it. He broke the bread, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat it every time you're together. In remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, and he also lifted that up, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it often, as often as you are together in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, With the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I think it is so poignant and meaningful that on this first Sunday in Advent that we get to share a meal together. The Holy Communion meal. Where we get to come forward shortly and... Ask for the grace that's needed to turn our hearts at war into hearts of peace that mirror Christ Jesus' own heart and shares that in the world. Shortly as you come, if you feel led to do that, make that your prayer. That Christ and the presence of Christ within these elements and our sanctuary here would transform our very hearts right in this moment to be more like his. I'd like to invite the communion servers and also the praise band. And today I'm going to ask you to line up differently. If you'll line up all across the front, um, on the floor in front of the stage, please. I want to remind everybody that this is not a table of Grace Community United Methodist Church. It's not even a Methodist table. This is the Lord's table. And all are welcome and invited. All people are welcome to feast at the Lord's heavenly banquet now here together. There will be two stations, one here and here, and then one gluten-free station in the middle. Please come forward to share in the in the supper of the last the last supper of the Lord's table all are welcome as we leave here today. May we go in the grace of Jesus Christ, the one who has the power, the only one who has the power to transform our hearts into a heart of peace. May we go with joyful hearts in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.